On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hello, viewers, and welcome to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. We have a special Facebook Live edition today. And joining me, Tom Sangster. How are you, Tom? Good to be here. There's a massive period of cricket coming up with Test Cricket during the day and then Big Bash during the night. It's going to be nuts. Absolutely. And that's why we've gone live for this edition. We are going to preview the Big Bash, which starts in two days. Can you believe it? The buffet of big hits and huge cricket excitement begins very shortly. So in today's edition, we're going to talk about what's new in the Big Bash. We're going to run through all the teams, including Michael Vaughan's uh, tips and insights on the Big Bash teams. We've got our top three flops and young guns. And then I'm going to take a big risk on today's show. And Tom, I'm a bit nervous about this, but I'm going to yep. reveal my super coach team. Huge. What I think is a winning super coach team. So if you're if you're watching out there and planning on playing super coach, you've still got a little bit of time to finalize your team. So perhaps you could uh, take a few tips from my team. I've had a quick look and I'm going to absolutely tear it apart. Well, Tommy, you're the expert. You should be seeing the quality in my lineup. Uh, constructive criticism is always good. <laughs> All right, so let's start with the Big Bash because there's lots of changes for this Big Bash. The first of which is the Big Bash has increased from a 10-round competition to a full home-and-away competition, which means both teams play 14 games, uh, seven at home, seven away. Firstly, what do you think of that change, Tom? Are you, you for it? Are you happy with the extra games or do you think there's a, a risk? Because I know a lot of players are worried that they might be overcooking the competition. Yeah, I think bigger is not always better. I think it's better when it's a bit more con condensed. I feel like there'll be a bit of burnout, a bit of um, viewer burnout. I'm not the biggest fan, but let's wait and see. We'll, we'll see what happens this year. I could, you know, when it, it finishes in February 17, mm. so you've got a, essentially got two months of big bash. I think obviously that is goes too after much. the school holidays, which is a big change. So yeah. I'll have a lot of the younger children back at school when the competition concludes, which may affect crowds. Yeah, I think so. It's it's. Too much for me looking at it now, but ask me on February 17 and see what I say. Look, you make good points about the, the extended size, but I'm a real fan of making the competition bigger for a few reasons. Firstly, nothing lights up the summer like the Big Bash. As much as I love the Sheffield Shield and I love the domestic competitions, they no way capture the public's imagination like the Big Bash does. So to have that right in the middle of summer for two months, I think is a great thing for cricket. It puts cricket on centre stage, puts the domestic cricketers in the spotlight. So I think that's a real positive to increasing it. Yeah, I feel there's just going to be so much cricket happening over the next little bit with tests during the day. Then you've got the big bash during the night. You've got hours and hours of cricket every day. When we had this massive gap in the sporting schedule from about the AFL and NRL grand finals, almost until a couple of weeks ago when the test matches started. So I think that they should be taking advantage of that gap in the schedule and I know they're doing it next year with the WBBL uh, but there's just such a 
big gap there. There's too much cricket happening at exactly the same time. I think we can spread it out a bit. I don't think the TV companies would be too keen on that because one of the big things about the Big Bash is that it gets people watching television during that holiday period when ratings are traditionally low. Yeah, millions of people watching. I think the good thing about having a proper home and away competition is that it's a, a fair and proper competition. Every team plays every other team, so you can't sort of look at the draw and think, oh, we've got drawn another team twice that's a strong team. So I think that's good. I think the bigger competition gives more domestic players a chance uh, to play on the, the on the big bash. So there's a sort of another pathway for domestic players. And then the other thing is with the extra games, I think you can you can take the competition to regional venues. So we've seen we're seeing games played at Marnica Oval, Marnica Oval in Canberra at Metricon Stadium on the Gold Coast, which is interesting. They're playing a Stars. Thunder game on the Gold Coast. So the Stars have given up a home game to play on the Gold Coast. That's that's a strange one. Yeah, I think it is a little bit strange. But as you say, there'll be some youngsters, plenty of youngsters playing this year, more than in previous years. You've got more games, but you've still only got the two internationals. So I feel like a bunch of youngsters are going to get a, a run. And I'm excited to see a bunch of Sydney grade cricketers really get a run as well, including a bloke called Justin Avendano, who I think could go all right for the wow. success. Super coach tip Scoop. already. Scoop is a cheapie as well. <laughs> uh, so just one thing, though, about the bigger competition. It does preclude a lot of international players coming out here because it's mm. such a big commitment to be here for two months that, you know, there's a lot of T20 comps that are, are done in a month or six weeks. So I'm sort of wondering where are the stars? Where are the international players <laughs> this comp? We've got a few good international players. Root and Butler are probably the, the top of the tree there. But they're only playing half the comp because they've got to go off and play mm. for England which is, as you say, a massive issue. The biggest problem was that there was this UAE league going on at exactly the same time, which was essentially half the amount of time and twice the money. So they signed all the good players. By the time that UAE league actually folded, the 2020 uh, teams here had already signed all their players, so we couldn't get the guys like Dre Russ and A.B. de Villiers and Carlos Kumar and Carlos Brathwaite, yeah. who'd signed for the UAE, and, and now we can't have them at our comp because that that competition folded too late. I think there should be at least three internationals allowed, particularly with this longer season now. It wasn't such a factor with the short season, but with the longer season, more internationals required uh, because that's what brings the crowds to the games. I would be happy if, if every Big Bash franchise could have five international players on their books yeah. and play three or four in a game. I mean, I can like you imagine that. the crowds if they had three or four international players in every Big Bash team? I absolutely like that. And the problem probably is salary cap and whether that's actually sustainable. But I'd love to see at least one more international allowed in a team. Currently, it's only two, uh, and they can get replaced as well. So when Root and Butler and Curran and all these English guys leave, they'll get replaced. So you can always have two in your squad at one time. I'd like to see a bit more star power in the Big Bash. I agree. Now, there's some more new stuff this uh, Big Bash. For the first time ever, there are Christmas Eve fixtures. There'll be a 4pm game, the Hurricanes v the Stars. And then a massive game for Christmas Eve, the Sydney Derby, the Thunder take on the Sixers at Spotless Stadium out west in Sydney on the 24th. I really like this. There used to be this sort of gap between the 23rd of December and then the 24th, 25th. There'd be no Big Bash. Well, they haven't done Christmas Day yet, but the first step is there with Christmas Eve. 
Uh, will you be watching, or do you have any family commitments on Christmas oh, Eve? I've got, yeah, I've got stuff on on Christmas Eve, but I'll still look if I'm if I'm around, I'll be watching for sure. I think it's a a good move because, as you say, there was a gap. I want to see it on Christmas Day as well. I think that would go absolutely nuts. At at my place, I'm always just sitting on the couch, so full of food that I can't actually move away <laughs> from it. And I'd love to watch Big Bash game because there's not much, that much doing on a Christmas night for me. But it's different for every person. Yeah, I, look, I agree with you about Christmas. Day. Day, our listeners and to this podcast will know I've been very passionate about it for a number of years. It says a lot about how entertaining my Christmas Day is yeah. as well. But just on the Christmas Eve fixture, I wonder how many people they will get to the ground because mm. Christmas Eve is traditionally a night people are getting ready for the next day, getting organised, wrapping presents, all that kind of thing. So will they get a decent crowd? But I don't have any doubt that they will get a, a large viewership on the TV. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a good move to have this. And Christmas Day, Big Bash is just an inevitability. It'll happen within the next five years. All right. Another innovation or a thing to watch out for is the monster days of cricket. For cricket tragic, tragics like me, there is some huge days. So let's just take Boxing Day for an example. So you wake up, you watch the Boxing Day test. That finishes, they cross straight to the to the Optus Stadium mm. for a big bash game between the Scorchers and the Strikers. Then after that, the women's big bash starts on the, at the same ground, the Scorchers take on the heat. So you've got about 14 hours of cricket uh, from beginning to end. It doesn't even take into account any games of cricket going on around the world. So you could have a cricket marathon on Boxing Day. You could, but this is my point where there's just too much going on at exactly the same time. How realistically is anyone with a, with a family, with a wife, going to sit through 14 hours of cricket in a row? It's just not going to happen. That's why I think this gap in October, November... It's going to happen, Tommy, and the, it's going to happen for me. It's going to happen for me. You will be the <laughs> I will outlier. Be locked in the, on Boxing Day. I'm not moving from my couch. I cannot wait. Another innovation is the Women's Big Bash League have standalone finals and uh, the finals being played on Australia Day this year. So I think that's going to be a great event, the Women's Big Bash League final. And finally, I, I go through the squads. I've noticed that a lot of the old stages that you might be familiar with playing Big Bash are gone. They're no longer mm. there. They've been moved on. So Kevin Peterson, thank God he's gone. Brad Hodge is retired. Brad Hogg has retired at the ripe old age of 65. Mitchell Johnson's not playing anymore. Ben Hilfenhaus is finished with the Stars. And uh, Hilfenhaus, such a tragic story. 27 tests, 99 test wickets. And yeah. a good average of 28.5. So he was a good bowler, was, but just yeah. one short of that 100 test wickets. Always always a big fan of him, and he was perfectly suited to TV. Swing bowling is so perfectly suited to TV. Mm. Just love watching him, as is spin bowling as well. But as you say, the, the veterans aren't there this year. A lot of them have dropped out. The two remaining survivors I can see are Shane Watson and Michael Klinger. Those mm. are the, the two uh, golden the old oldies. Stages. The old stages to watch the out this year. They're, they're each, I think they're each 38 around I think they get free bus there. travel to the game. Oh, yeah, so. probably, yeah. Uh, the other one, Doug Bollinger, Doug the Rugs, uh, pulled, up, pulled up the boots. 
So no more Doug Bollinger. Yeah, I think the competition's getting younger. We had a look at the squads Definitely. beforehand, and you take out all these old players, and they're not being replaced. You're seeing the young players from state cricket come into the squads. Yeah, it's really exciting this year with the youngsters coming through. We're going to run through a bunch of them soon, but a guy like Jack Edwards is going to light this thing up. Jason Sanger could do a similar thing. I like a kid called Josh Philippe coming through at the Sixers, and so many grade stars coming through as well, like Greg West and Avendano from the... Sydney Sixers, these guys who've been killing it in grade cricket for years and years and years, they get their chance finally uh, in the big bash and it's going to be interesting to see how they go. And T20 is a young man's game or a young Mm. person's game. You know, you've got to be mobile in the field, you've got to be athletic. You need the old heads there as well. Mm, I think it's really important. The experienced guy, I think what's shown in big bash is particularly chasing runs and keeping your head under pressure. You need experience in your team, but... On the, on the same token, you do need to throw yourself around in the field, but experience is the key to winning T20 games. Experience is the key. Tom Sangster with the pro tip. Huge. All right, so that's, that's the new things happening this summer in the Big Bash. Remember, 59 games this year, so it's a monster Big Bash season, a feast of cricket coming your way. Now let's sort of go through the teams. I've got to, We're going to go through each of the teams and we're going to talk about Michael Vaughan's impressions of the teams. He spoke to the Herald Sun and Sam Landsberger and Michael Vaughan gave his views on the team. So let's go through the teams, Tom, and we'll see if Michael Vaughan knows anything about the Big Bash. He's actually going to be commentating for Fox Cricket on the first Big Bash game at the Gabba with uh, Andrew Simons and Adam Gilchrist, so he should know something. But let's go through the teams. Obviously, Adelaide Strikers won the competition last year. They beat the Hurricanes in the final at Adelaide Oval. Great performance by Jake Weatherald in the final to see the Strikers to the title. All right, let's let's go through them in order of where they finished on the ladder last year. So after the preliminary rounds, the Scorchers finished on top last year. They've won three Big Bash titles. Yeah. The only well, team to win more than one. They're by far the best T20 franchise in the country. If not their the world. Squad, their squad is absolutely brilliant again this year. They've got so much depth. There's a bloke called Josh Philippe. I mentioned him just before, who I believe is one of the, the best youngsters coming through. Shane Warne tipped him last week to be playing all three formats for Australia within 12 months. Wow. So this kid is seriously good. He's a sometime keeper and, a, and an opening batsman who comes out and absolutely smokes them. He could not get a spot on the roster for the Scorchers. That's how good this team is. They've got so much depth, so many all-rounders as well. That's the thing. They're going to bat down to about 10 or 11, so they can just go hard for the entire innings. And relatively unaffected by international call-ups. Yep, and they could have a bloke like Mitch Marsh back into that team, depending on Mm. what happens with the test team. Also, viewers, we're going to go through the coaches of each Big Bash franchise. and I think it's an underrated asset to each team in how good their coaches are because some think that T20 cricket is actually the the biggest test on a coach's ability because you have to get the matchups right. You've got a lot of moving parts as people coming in and out of the squads or all the time. You've got to build a list. So do you think Mm. coaching is important in the Big Bash, Tom? Oh, yeah, 100%. The coaching and the captaining. The coach sets them up. I mean, captaincy is the most important part and that's why you get players who are essentially picked for their captaincy. Mm. Brendan McCullum hasn't been in very good form, but he gets picked as a captain, almost solely as a captain across the world and earns a lot of money to do it just because he's so good at that part of the game. And I guess T20 cricket, it speeds up. 
you know, yeah. in those high pressure situations, the game can move really fast. And if, if you're a captain that sort of loses your focus, that's when the game can get ahead of you. So you need a cool, yeah. experienced head. All right, so let's start with the Scorchers. Three titles. They're coached by Adam Voges. Michael Vaughan says the squad has loads of experience, but will the new venue be as formidable as the Wacker? Vaughan also thinks they will miss Justin Langer. Look, it's a good point Vaughan makes mm. because the Scorchers have been so domin- dominant at the Furnace or the Wacker, and now they've moved to this uh, the, the new Perth Stadium. They lost the semi-final last year there. Will they be able to build a, a sort of fortress at Optus Stadium as well? I'm not I sure think, they will. I think they will because it's definitely a unique pitch and that's that's what you need to get that real home ground advantage. You're going to get huge crowds there as well. They'll probably pack it out 60,000. 55 Yeah, so I think they will have one of the best home ground advantages in the competition. Even though they're not at the Wacker anymore, it is still a very unique pitch and they'll obviously know how to use it best because they play there the most. And Adam Voges, good coach, played for them last summer took over from Justin Langer, who was called up for the national job probably a year. This all happened a year earlier than I think everyone would have liked. Lehman was in the Aussie job. Langer gets called up. Voges would have probably been the assistant for a year, but he's been put into the job. So big test for Voges. Can he maintain the dynasty that Langer had started? All right, the next team who finished second on the ladder and won the title last year, the Adelaide Strikers. They are coached by Dizzy Gillespie. He's also the Sussex coach in England. And Michael Vaughan says about the Strikers that Rashid Khan is the best bowler in the competition and the team has plenty of talent that will be unaffected by national call-ups. Do you agree with Vaughney on this one? Rashid Khan is the best T20 bowler in the world. That is undisputed. But I feel that the loss of Travis Head, he said they're unaffected by national call-ups. Travis Head was huge for them last year. He'll be playing tests. I doubt he'll even play more than two or three games for the strikers this year. So that is definitely a loss because he was their captain last year as well. And, and he smokes them when he bats. And he bowls generally about two overs per game. Huge loss for them. I don't think they'll be able to recover from that. The other thing is that they had a bunch of players in their team have career years last year. So they had Weatherald and Alex Carey really bust out and produce what was well above what they'd been producing before. So I'd have to say that they'll probably come back to the pack a little bit this year. Top four, though? I still think they're top four. Now the Renegades, they finished third on the ladder last year and heartbreaking loss in the semi-final. They're coached by Andrew McDonald. Like all the Victorian sides, they've never won the Big Bash. I'd like to stress that. Victoria has (laughs) never won the Big Bash. Now Michael Vaughan thinks they do not have enough power with the bat and they will struggle without Marcus Harris and Aaron Finch. I think Michael Vaughan's on the money here. He's on the money. It's a pretty weak roster. The other one that's underrated here is they've lost Dwayne Bravo as well. DJ as well Bravo. As, as well as Finch, as well as Harris. Uh, so, so it it's looks a double like a pretty... blow because the after parties go down a notch yeah, yeah. and they well, might not win as many games. Well, maybe that could improve their performance the next day. Who knows? But Bravo going is, is the biggest loss. He got the most wickets last year in the Big Bash and he's gone to their Melbourne rivals, the Stars. Okay, fourth on the ladder last year, the Hobart Hurricanes. They've never won the Big Bash. They are coached by Tasmanian uh, coach Adam Griffith. Michael Vaughan thinks they have a solid squad, a consistent team, and Jofra Archer is in a different league to most bowlers. Yep, I agree with everything you said there. This is a really strong squad, experienced 
I feel like the difference between their best and worst performances won't be too much. Joffre Astra is a freak. The biggest loss, though, underrated, is Daniel Christian, who played all games for them last year, finished top 10 bowlers and top 10 for batting, even though he generally bats quite low. He's a gun team player, six. Dan Christian. So really underrated loss, but replacing him, they've got James Faulkner come in. And now I, James Faulkner, I thought, was going to be an absolute superstar of world cricket a couple of years ago. He's had his injury problems. Hopefully this is the tournament where he relaunches himself into the stratosphere of global T20 cricket. I mean, the Hurricanes have a very experienced side with Faulkner, Bailey, Wade, all these experienced T20 players that probably won't get a national call-up. They could see them yep. back in the final again. Yeah, it's a good call. And George Bailey, that old head in the team, is fantastic to have. And they've handed over the captaincy to Wade. I think Wade will be a good attacking captain for that team. All right, now number five on the ladder last year in the inaugural Big Bash winners, the Sydney Sixers. They are coached by Greg Shippard, who has coached the Melbourne Stars and is the coach of the Delhi Daredevils. And Michael Vaughan doesn't think the Sixers have enough mystery with the ball. Uh, The bowling does not look strong enough and they can't rely on young Lloyd Pope too much. I don't agree with Michael Vaughan on this one. I actually think... The Sixers have a lot of mystery with the ball. That's Mm. the big question mark because they have uh, really strong T20 players like Sean Abbott, Ben Dwarshus, who played for the Australian T20 side, who who can bowl really well, left armour, bowls a lot of Yorkers. Then they've got the two young spinners, Dan Fallons and Lloyd Pope. Nathan Lyon comes back in for the back half of the comp. I think the Sixers have a really good bowling lineup. It doesn't have the big names, maybe, but they have sort of some mystery to them. Yeah, definitely not the big names there. The, the key for them is going to be Moses Henriquez, mm. who is by far the best player in this team. It's definitely not the best roster in the competition. And when Joe Denley leaves, who's their big international import from England, he'll probably only play five games. Uh, their, their depth is going to get tested pretty hard and they've got so many youngsters coming through. They've got guys like Edwards, Dan Fallons, who I think will get the spot as the spinner ahead of Lloyd Pope unless they play them both. Avendano, I mentioned before, Greg West, so many youngsters that they're relying on in this team. It's going to be a boom or bust season. I can't... Look, I can't I see them, you, but I I can't see them the, winning a comp. That's the mystery, isn't there's it? No, uh, mystery is the word. There's, there's a real mystery over this team because... Almost all the team is untested. My favourite nickname is Dwarshus makes me nauseous. But anyway, uh, there's no uh, John Hastings. Yeah, unfortunately, he, had to pull yeah, out. he was retirement. in the list. Yeah, and, uh, that's a big loss. Just an interesting fact, no Sydney Sixers player has ever scored a century in the competition. So the challenge is there for a, a Sixers batsman to, to make three figures in the big bash. Jack Edwards, make it happen. I'd love to yeah, see that. Love Absolutely it. love to see that. We'll, we'll get to my super coach team later. All right, number six. Uh, perennial cellar dwellers, the Sydney Thunder, they have flukishly, you have to admit, won one big bash title. Yep. I don't know how that happened. But they have a really good coach. Shane Bond has been appointed head coach. Uh, he's the Mumbai Indians bowling coach. And some people say that he's the best bowling coach in the world. So to have him as their head coach, I think, will be uh, good for the Thunder. It's a big step up for Bond taking over the reins of the Thunder. But uh, So Michael Vaughan thinks that uh, Joss Butler is the most exciting white ball player in the world. Watson will be crucial, but Vaughan thinks the bowling is not strong enough yeah. in the Thunder, which I agree with. I tend to agree as well. Once Joss Butler and Joe Root, the two big imports, leave this team, I really, 
a fear for them. I don't know where they're going to get their runs from. Shane Watson's going to have to step up big time if they're going to win any games. And the bowling's a bit thin too. Is Wadi of... getting too old though? I mean, I mean at well, some point he... the decline has to start when you're mid-30s. Are he... we seeing that with Shane Watson? I mean, it doesn't look like it from his IPL performances, but I don't know. Could this be the start? Well, he gave an interview the other day saying he's not retiring anytime soon. He's hitting the ball just about as good as he's hit it in his career. So, look, I'm batting, backing Watson in here. He's got, uh, in terms of T20 players that Australia has produced, he's got to be right at the top of the tree, if not at the top. Uh, I'm I mean, backing he could probably him still play for Australia in our T20 he could, side. He could easy, easily, easily. It's the... The factor for me, certainly from a super coach perspective, is whether he's going to bowl or not. I don't think he'll bowl very much because he is obviously, um, you know, had his injury problems and he's 38, I think. Uh, but batting, he's still an absolute gun at this level. Uh, the Brisbane Heat are next on our preview. They finished seventh last year. They've won the Big Bash once. Dan Vittori is their coach who was recently dumped as the Royal Challengers Bangalore coach in the IPL. Michael Vaughan likes the James Pattinson signing by the Heat, but thinks they rely a bit too much on Lynn and McCullum to fire. What do you Yeah, think? I think that's probably fair enough. They do have a youngster coming through called Max Bryant, who apparently hits them about as far as Chris Lynn and was a budding rugby league player as well. He could sneak into that top order somewhere. I wouldn't think they'd break up the Bash brothers at the top of the order, but he could come in as a sort of hit-out or get-out kind of guy within that order, and he could be exciting and take a little bit of pressure off Lynn and McCullum. I do tend to agree, though, that the Bash brothers are uh, hev- they're heavily reliant on those guys. James Pattinson, though, is a huge signing for them. I'm really pumped to see how he goes. Yeah, apparently, he's been bowling really well up around that 140k mark. Wow. And because of all of these injuries that he's had, he's improved his batting as well. So I reckon he'll probably bat at around that seven mark for this team. And he could be a really good pickup. And super coach wise, I mean, you, you simply just have to get him in there because the Heat have a double game in round one and he's at cheapy price after all these injuries. Yeah, I don't think the Heat rely too much on the Bash brothers. If you look at their lineup, uh, Renshaw, Burns, Pearson. Yeah, is Renshaw going to play? I don't think, I think Renshaw's, Renshaw's going to play. A, I think he will play. Yeah, and I think his right. game has expanded in the winter mm. in England, playing over for Somerset. So I think we'll see an expanded Renshaw, not size-wise, just his games. Just, yeah. And uh, I also uh, like Ben Cutting down the order. Yep. So I think the Heat have a really strong team because – I mean, if you put Pattinson and Cutting at your sort of six, seven, eight mark, that's some real power down the batting order. So I think the Heat could be one to watch. Yeah, and a team with a genuine home ground advantage there because the Gabba is a unique wicket. The Gabbatoire. The Gabbatoire. It's a unique wicket, wicket, a bit like that Perth pitch. All right, and uh, last on this preview, and who finished uh, Wooden Spooners last year in the Big Bash, that's the Melbourne Stars. They've never won the Big Bash. You might have uh, picked that up from before. (laughs) Stephen Fleming is their coach. Now, he's the Chennai Super Kings coach in the IPL, maybe one of the preeminent coaches in in, uh, T20 cricket all around the world. Michael Vaughan thinks the Stars may be the surprise packet. Spin will be crucial and Fleming will have crafty plans. Look, I don't, I don't think they're going to be a surprise packet. I think that this is the best roster in the competition. The surprise is they've if they got, win, because yeah, they've shown yeah, yeah, inability yeah, to that. get past the semi-finals. Yes, That's that is the, the surprise. But you look at this roster, they've got Stoinis and Maxwell, who don't look like they're going... They look like they'll play most of the competition because it doesn't, uh, doesn't look like they'll get called up for the test team. They've got Dwayne Sorry, Bravo. Maxie. 
Got Dwayne Bravo in the team now, plus the Nepalese spinner Lama Chain. And Adam Zampa, who's in Adam great Zampo form. Adam Zampa plays for Australia. They, the, the trick is going to be the middle of the season when a bunch of players get pulled out for the ODIs, but they'll only miss, it's about two or three games. They don't miss too much at all. So they'll have guys like Stoinis, Maxwell and your man Zampa there for about 10 games. Yeah, and that's the change this year with the scheduling. What they've tried to do is put the white ball stuff before the Big Bash season. So we saw the the series against South Africa in the 50-over game. Then we saw the T20s against India. They try to play that before the Big Bash. So when we get to January, uh, the Big Bash squads aren't affected by white ball call-ups because it doesn't look great when you've got the Australian T20 side playing when the Big Bash is going on because then Mm. our best... T20 players aren't playing in the Big Bash, which takes away from the comp. So instead, they've got two tests against Sri Lanka at the back half of the season, which might take a few test players out of the Big Bash, but that won't be affect the competition as much as if they were white ball games. I agree, and that's why if the IPL is so massive that they let those Indian, the top Indian players like Coley, etc., actually play in that tournament, and we should be doing the same here. All right, now Michael Vaughan's picked his top four. The Strikers, Hurricanes, Melbourne Stars and Perth Scorchers. Uh, what do you think? Look, I think that will be the top four. Uh, those, As in those four sides will be the top four teams. Not as confident. But not in that order. I think the Stars will be up the top, then the Scorchers, Hurricanes and then the Strikers will have a bit of regression this year without Travis Head and without those guys presumably going as well as they did in their career years last year. Yeah, I think the Heat and the Sixers will push for the top four. Not so confident about the Renegades and the Thunder. I'm not confident about the Sixers. They're relying on some serious young talent to to come good. One thing about a 14-game season, though, is it does mean that it can go right down to the wire. I've seen in the IPL teams start really slowly, but then they get the sort of momentum halfway through the comp and storm into the, the finals and the title, which I think can happen in, in the Big Bash. If you get off to a slow start, there's plenty of time to get back in the competition. And uh, conversely, you can get off to a good start, but that's not going to guarantee you a final spot. So it it's yeah. changes the character having 14 games. And it's all going to hinge on when the Australian players leave, how the depth steps in, and also when the international players leave, particularly the English guys like Root, Butler, Curran, Denley, etc., when they leave uh, and then they get replaced, uh, how good those international replacements are because, as we mentioned before, we've missed out on a whole bunch of really good international T20 uh, talent, including guys like A.B. de Villiers, Dre Russ had signed, Andre Russell had signed in that UAE league and we couldn't get him in. So... We are missing just that little bit of star power this year. All right, uh, viewers. So I hope you're enjoying this live broadcast of the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. Over summer, this podcast will be released uh, twice a week and is available on all podcast apps and Spotify. Recently, there's been some great interviews with Alan Border and Ian Healy, just to name a couple. So go and subscribe to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast where you get your podcasts from. All right, we're going to take a very short break and then we're going to be back with the Big Bash headlines and our top threes. Tight. It's falling. Chris Lynn has taken the wild thing and sent him possibly under the roof. Welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered Live podcast recording. We're here to celebrate the beginning of the Big Bash. 
because yep. it is a feast of cricket coming our way. I can't wait. Tommy can't wait. Uh, soon to come is my super coach team, Tommy. Ooh, yeah, cannot wait to apart. reveal that because I'm going to tear I'm gonna beat Warney. I'm going to beat uh, Michael Vaughan. I'm going to beat Kerry O'Keefe. All these great players with hundreds of tests to their name are going to get done by Menace. Cannot wait. All right, let's, let's get into the Big Bash headlines brought to you by Sydney's The Daily Telegraph. The first one is a couple of interesting captaincy moves. Glenn Maxwell has been made captain of the Melbourne Stars. I like this. I like this because you never know how someone's quite going to react when you give them responsibility. I feel like Maxwell could be a guy that reacts really well and it could actually improve his game. Uh, you know, you, you probably agree with me that he has been lacking responsibility in his in his career. Mm. Uh, he has been criticised for going out and throwing his wicket away. So I think this is a good move for the Stars and for Maxwell and he could become one of these captains. I'm excited to see his style of captaincy because he could be one of these captains, a bit like Brendan McCullum or like Shane Warne was back in the day where they're absolutely willing to risk losing a game so that they can win the game. So it could be really exciting cricket coming. I agree. The only question mark to that is, is he had a disappointing stint as captain in the mm. IPL. His coach was Ricky Ponting. And it didn't go really well for Maxi on the field with his performances. So that's the challenge for him is to use the responsibility to lift his game to a new level. What I like about it, though, is a lot of the problems with Maxi has been opportunity recently, where he bats, how much he bowls. Well, he's captain. If he wants, he can open the batting and open the bowling, yep. and he will have no excuses, no complaints. It's all up to him to perform. And he should open the batting. He, he is a, I genuinely feel he is an opening batsman in T20 cricket. Absolutely. Scored that epic ton for Australia oh, a couple of years he ago. He gets Sri Lanka, I think. But yeah, uh, he should be opening and every now and again opening the bowling depending on the conditions and the batsman, etc. And the other one is uh, Chris Lynn has been appointed Brisbane Heat skipper ahead of Brendan McCullum. So yeah, that's, that's an interesting huge. one. Yeah, that, that we is We just spoke really about McCullum's experience. He captains yeah. T20 teams all around the world. Perhaps Chris Lynn's uh, trying to sort of show some leadership skills. He was mm. made captain of the Queensland 50-over team. So I think Chris Lynn sort of crossing over to become a, a senior figure in Queensland cricket. Yeah, perhaps a succession plan going on here as well with McCullum at, at about that 38-year-old mark. Um, and we'll mention it later on, but his stats haven't been brilliant the last couple of years. Now, the other big bash headline is... Cameron Bancroft will return to top-level cricket in the Big Bash on December 30th when his Perth Scorchers take on the Hobart Hobart Hurricanes at the University of Tasmania Stadium in Launceston. So a pretty uh, out-of-the-way spot for Bancroft to return to cricket. But, you know, obviously he's the the first member of the the ball-tampering trio to come back into the, the public eye and play cricket in the Big Bash, so I think it'll be one to watch. But yeah, very interesting to see where he fits into that team because they've got two very good keepers in Whiteman, who's returning from injury, and Inglis as well, who's been keeping and doing a really good job in the Sheffield Shield and the JLT Cup. So does he take the gloves? I don't know. They've probably got better specialist glovemen. And then if he plays as a specialist batsman, where does he fit into that absolutely stacked Scorchers lineup? He could be playing as a specialist batsman and batting at number six in that lineup because T20, let's face it, is not Bancroft's best format. I think him keeping is a good call, Tom. I think mm. he might take the gloves. He's kept for yeah. Australia in a T20 international yep. in the past. It might be a way for the score just to get an extra batsman in there if they play him as a yep. keeper. 
And the last headline is the Sydney Sixers have signed recent Sheffield Shield debutant left-arm quick Greg West. Watch out for this guy. In his first over of Shield cricket, he had figures of two for none. They yeah. weren't the two best deliveries I've ever seen, but <laughs> you might have the golden touch, this man. Yeah, and you were commentating that game as well, weren't you, Menace? There's a lot of buzz about this guy around the Sydney grade ranks, so, yeah, I'm pretty excited to see him go around. Like good spinners, left-arm quicks can be very successful in T20 cricket. The, the angle, oh, yeah. get, getting the ball to swing back to the right ha- right-handers just makes them a difficult prospect. Absolutely. I mean, that's why someone like Jason Berendorf Willie, guys like that. Bollinger's Mitch gone well Stark. in the past. Stark, Johnson. Yeah, so many left-armers do do well in this format. Joel Paris. All right, so that's the Big Bash. Headlines, remember, starts Wednesday, December 19th. The Adelaide Strikers uh, take on the Brisbane Heat at the Gabba. All right, now it's our top three time, Tommy. Yes. I've got we've, – we've each picked our top three. So I've, I'm going to start things off with my top three Big Bash fixtures – to watch before 2019. So a lot of games between now and the new year. I've picked out three that you should watch, and I would watch all of them. And, you know, this was a really hard one, Tom. I've got lists to come about top three flops, top three young guns. They weren't so hard, but when I had mm. the fixture list together, there's some great matchups, some great games. So it was a really tough one, but I've gone the first game to watch December 22nd, Brisbane Heat v. the Hobart Hurricanes on the Gold Coast. Two good teams, Metricon Stadium, really good venue for T20 cricket. Yeah, good atmosphere. That'll be great. Then the Christmas Eve fixture, Sydney Thunder v the Sydney Sixers at Spotless Stadium. When the Thunder and the Sixers uh, play together in these derby matches, they're usually close-run contests, and this will be one to get you ready for Christmas Day. Yeah, sit down on the couch, get some snacks going, Christmas Eve, Thunder Sixers. At, at Spotless as well, which is capacity somewhere around 20,000, I think. So it's going to be jam-packed. The atmosphere, I mean, they could easily, they could sell out the SCG for this thing. It's going to, be, it's going to pack out uh, Spotless Stadium and be a really good atmosphere. Yeah, the Sydney Sixers two years ago got almost 40,000 people yep. to uh, the Thunder Sixers derby. So it is one of the fixtures to watch. And then finally... My last fixture to watch is on the 26th Boxing Day, the Scorchers v. the Strikers at the new Perth Stadium. I think the Scorchers and the Strikers could be the finalists, two of the strongest squads on paper. We'll get to see how they track against each other in this game on Boxing Day, and it will round out a stellar day's cricket test into Big Bash, followed by Women's Big Bash. Doesn't get any better. The narrow miss for my top three fixtures was the Strikers v. the Thunder on New Year's Eve. I love the New Year's Eve fixture. Gives me something to do every December 31st. Don't have to go out and fight the crowds. Don't have to take (laughs) the wife or kids anywhere. It's just, I'll watch the Big Bash. You look after yourself. I'm not a fan of the New Year's Eve one. There's always, yeah. I I don't think I've ever watched Big Bash on New Year's Eve. Obviously, has more friends than I do. <laughs> All right, now uh, the top three young guns to watch. Yeah, Tommy, I'll, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'll kick us off. You've got your three as well, who I think are absolute guns as well. I'll start with Cameron Green, who I feel is probably the best youngster coming through in Australia at the moment. In He, he plays for the Scorchers. He's got a Scorchers contract, but he's been playing for WA in the Sheffield Shield, averaging 19 with the ball, which is just wow. ridiculous. Uh, and he can also he also bats seven or eight for 
them as well. So if he gets a spot in this team, and that is an if because the Scorchers team is stacked, as we mentioned before, he should bowl his four overs and then bat somewhere around seven and come in and have a slog at the end. He could go really well. You like him? Yeah, I like Cameron Green. Uh, Josh Philippe, I mentioned him before, but he's a guy who Shane Warne thinks could be playing for Australia in all three formats within a year, which is a huge call given how well Tim Payne and Alex Carey are going at the moment. He's going to, I think, open the batting for the Sixers. My mail is he might keep as well ahead of Neville, who has played for Australia in all three formats. You think Neville would not play? Potentially, yeah, because... He's not. He's not suited to T20. Well, who's skipper he averages, the Sixers? He averages. Who skippers the Sixers? If, that's, that's if the Neville question. doesn't play, that's the question. Do they? Bring I like Philippe. I really like Philippe. Uh, when he's uh, performed for the CA eleven, he's looked very good at times. Mm. So yeah, good call. Yeah, and signing by the Sixers too. I've also got Majib Majib in there, the 17-year-old Afghani who's going to be playing for the Heat. Really good in the IPL. Only played he played 11 games, but still finished 13th on the wicket list compared to 17 games. So if he played all of those games, he probably would have finished in the top three wicket takers in the IPL. Absolute gun, only 17. And Supercoach-wise, sign up at supercoach.com.au. He's got the double in the first week. Isn't he the uh, bowler that taught himself to bowl on YouTube? I think that's a lot of these. Or is that uh, Lumach? Uh, I get Lumachain and well, him well, mixed up a little bit. But, but yeah. they are going to be interesting to watch, these yeah. mystery spinners. Yeah, right, I mean, facing those guys for the first time must be really, really hard because you've just got no idea, no idea which way the ball is going to turn. We'll get to my super coach team later, but my pro tip is spin to win in the Big Bash. All right, my top three young guns to watch. No surprises if you've listened to this podcast before. Jack Edwards, the yep. young Sixers batsman. I've seen him make two brilliant centuries this summer, one in 50 over cricket, one in Sheffield Shield cricket. He looks not only a talented batsman, but he looks as cool as a cucumber. I can just imagine him walking out there and it's a, it's a situation, the Sixers are in trouble, and he's just not a care in the world, just smashes yep. the ball all over the place. So I really like Jack Edwards. Could bowl a couple of overs as well, mm. which could be crazy. Handy little medium pacer. Mm. Now the other one, and this is, I've, got, I've picked Daniel Sams here. He's playing for the Thunder, but viewers will be a bit confused. He flip-flops every year. So he was originally in the Sydney Thunder development squad. Last year he played for the Sixers. This year, he's flip-flopped back to the Thunder. So I don't know if he knows who he's playing for, but he did take four for 14 against the Thunder for the Sixers last summer. The best figures by any bowler in the Big Bash on debut, but he's playing against for the Thunder this year. What I like about Sam's is he he, he bowls good Yorkers and he can he can smack the ball down the order. He's a bit mm. of a, a slogger. So I think he's a good all-round prospect, definite young gun to watch. I like him. He was really good in the JLT Cup, a couple of crucial innings. And obviously he's, he's more known as a bowler, but I feel that he'll play sort of a Ben Cutting-style role in this order where if they lose a wicket with five overs to go, Sam's goes out there and just slogs. Yeah, the way the Thunder play, he could find himself... In in the sixth over almost every game with plenty of overs to bat. So. <laughs> You're not really keen on the thunder, are you? <laughs> good, good powers of perception, Tom. All right, my last uh, youngster to pick. I couldn't leave this guy out. The man with the big red mop, Lloyd Pope. What yep. I like about Lloyd Pope is it's his wrongen. His wrongen in T20 cricket will be absolutely destructive. I think he could take a bucket load of wickets for the Sydney Sixers, so watch Lloyd Pope. So that's our top three young guns. Now, our top three expected flops. This has been a popular segment. 
Uh, do you want to start off? Yeah, I've got. I've actually got some big names on this list. Number one is Darcy Short. Short to flop. Yeah. I um, Well, flop's probably a harsh word, but obviously it's going to be hard for him to keep up what he did last year. Uh, forming the IPL was not good at all, averaged in the teens. But teams have worked him out. They know that they can bowl spin at him and tie him down and get him out. Didn't do much for the Australian short-form teams either. So I'm expecting him to come back to the pack significantly this year just because he has been worked out. Uh, but I still think he's got one really good innings in him. One out of 14. One good out call, of 14. Dummy. Marcus Stoinis is my other flop as Stoinis? well. Stoinis? Yeah. This is, what? This is huge because I, I really do like Stoinis. I think Stoinis, Shane Warnes. I think Stoinis is a, is a real team. gun. But particularly super coach wise he's got that ankle injury. I don't think he's going to bowl. So he's playing as a specialist batsman. There's no value there super coach wise if you're picking an all-rounder and they're not bowling. Yeah, I think Stoinis will have a really good summer with the bat. It's just, as you say, if he doesn't bowl, he won't... Obviously not going to do too well with the ball. The other guy I've got is Joe Root, who's probably the most high-profile import coming in. It's a good ball. But he couldn't get an IPL contract. He's been sacked from the England T20 team. He's actually got a decent record in T20 cricket, but he's only going to play, let's say, five games for the Thunder and bat maybe at four. How many opportunities is is he going to get when you think that they'll probably open with someone like Josh Butler and Watson will be up top of the order as well? I think Root, Root to flop. I wow. think Root, you know, I mean, remembering he's that he's only, got, he's, he's only got five games. T20 is by far his worst format. This is just because he's a pom, isn't it? It's not because he's a pom. We're going to give him a hard time. When I say flop, I mean, I don't mean that he's going to get five ducks in a row. No, but that would I mean be, fun. That, he's that not would be go- fun. that would be fun. I mean that he's just not going to live up to the expectation. Yeah. I thought about putting Root on my top three flops yeah. list, but then... I think his class will shine through in this competition. So, yeah, that's why I think Root's one to watch, actually. All right, now my top three flops. I've got Brendan McCullum. I picked that he'll be ousted from the Bash Brothers by the end of the season. And Huge. I've done a, some research on his strike rate. And over the last four years, his strike rate has been on gradual decline. So four years ago, his strike rate in T20 cricket was a whopping 170. Three years ago, it was 142. Still good. Two years ago, stayed at 142. But then this year, it's declined to 127 strike rate. Mm. His average is going down. His strike rate's going down. He's 37. I think we're seeing the decline of... Brendan McCullum. Yeah, Sorry to I agree. Sorry to viewers out there. I do tend to agree. I feel like this could be potentially his last year, if not his second last year, playing on the international T20 circuit. Now, the other flop that I've got are the Melbourne Renegades. I think they will struggle to get off the bottom of the table the whole comp without Finch and Harris. Yep. And Bravo. And Bra- Bravo. Mm. I just think their squad will really struggle. They'll be relying on Dan Christian and, and Cam White to do amazing things. Yep, I 100% agree. And the other top three flops for this uh, big batch season is my marriage and social life. It's going to go absolutely down the gurgler. I actually had to fly out my English mother-in-law to come and uh, look after my wife and kids over summer. And already it started, you know, someone, my wife suggested to me, should we go out to dinner, say, this Wednesday night? I go to say yes, and then I remember... The big bash starts. I can't, I can't go out. You know, she's got this voucher to a very expensive restaurant in Sydney by the harbour. And I'm like, I'm going to be sitting there with my phone on in the corner with the big bash on. You've so, got to go phoneless. Got to yeah, go phoneless. so I think the, my flop could be the, the marriage. I could be spending 
a lot more time by myself by the end of summer. All right. And if look, if you have any pro tips for how to survive the summer when your partner is not as into cricket as you are, can you email me on auscricketpod, that's A-U-S, cricketpod at gmail.com. Any pro tips, I'd love to have them. All right. To finish our top three, you have yep. your top three oldies. Oh, not such uh, so much veterans. top three veterans, but resurgent veterans. Ooh, the veterans hits. are sort Is of forgotten. Comeback, comeback kids, yeah, yeah. The forgotten, the forgotten veterans who I think are going to carve up again. As I as I mentioned before, I think experienced heads are really important in T Twenty cricket. Number one on my list is Tim Ludeman, who mm. averaged he only faced fifty balls last year in the Big Bash because he was batting so low for the Renegades. But as you mentioned, with Finch, Harris and Bravo gone, he probably opens or bats quite high in that order. So I think he could really come back and and will keep wickets, obviously, as well. Ben Dunk is a guy who seems to have one really good year, then one really poor year, one really good year. But when he's on his good years, he's really good. He's played for Australia in this format before. I think he's been leading he's, run scorer twice in the yeah, competition. Yeah, that, that sounds so. about right. And he scored the 10th most runs ever in Big Bash history. So coming off uh, only facing 102 balls last year in 11 games. So he could, couldn't last more than 10 balls last year. I think he'll go all right for the Stars. And I think the Stars will go really well this year. And the other guy is Michael Klinger. Now... He could be injured. We're not sure if he's going to play. But coming off a pretty poor season by his standards, only averaged 19. But he is the top run scorer in Big Bash history by a long way. So never write off Maxi Klinger unless he is injured, of course. I think, and, and, and I think Evojus will put a lot of mm. uh, stock in having Klinger at the top of the order if I think, he's fit, that experience. Yeah, well, if, if Klinger plays, he has to bat one, two or three. There's no point batting him anywhere else in the order because he's just not that style of player who can come in and slog in the last ten overs, five overs. I agree. Good one, Tom. Good, good top three. Nice. Come back, kids, for this big bash. All right, so the moment you've all been waiting for, viewers... We've gone through the news of the Big Bash. We've gone through every team. But now it's time to gather around your screens because I'm going to reveal my super coach team. You might have seen Warnies, Mike Hussey's, Kerry O'Keefe's, but now it's for the real cricket expert, someone that watches almost every game of Big Bash cricket all the time. All right, so I'll give you my five starting batsmen. I've gone with Chris Lynn because... Hits a lot of boundaries, and you get bonus points for boundaries and sixes. Correct, and he's got a double game in round one too, so captain him first round. I, I, I interviewed Chris Lynn uh, after a game at a Spotless Stadium when he'd, he'd taken the heat to victory in a big chase, and he just has this steely eyes, Chris Lynn, where he's just, no matter how tense the situation is, he goes at the one pace, so a lot of faith in him. Yep, like my, it. My next batsman, Glenn Maxwell. Now, I've gone Maxi because of a little bit of what we talked about before. I think he'll give himself a lot of opportunities, and I think he'll do well with bat and ball, so Maxi's in there. Look, I like it a lot more now since he's got the captaincy. The only issue I have with Glenn Maxwell is that the Stars don't have a double game until about round 10. So you've got all these guys on the double in that first week, like the Scorchers and Heat. Uh, I'm backing the guys in their two games to go better than Maxwell does in his one game. But who knows, it's Glenn Maxwell. He could come out, take three wickets and get a ton and do better in his one game than guys like Agar, David Willey, Ber- uh, um, Berendorf and um, Nathan Coulter-Nile do in their two games. Yeah. So you're saying in the first week the Heat and the Scorchers both have two games? Yes, correct. So obviously a big tactic is 
to follow the teams that have got the double in that particular week. So you've got to basically plan your trades each week to maximise how many players you've got on the double in a particular round. One thing that I'm struggling with is until the competition starts, we don't really know what the coaches are thinking. And mm. I'm worried there's been a couple of players I would so-so on and then like, they might not actually get picked. Like they're, mm. And then if you, you, know, you pick a player that's not playing, they're, they're not going to do well. Yep. Um, well, we've got a story up on the website at the moment, predicted, top, uh, predicted first 11s for that first game. So take a look at that. Next batsman, Mitch Marsh. Like it? I like it. I mean, obviously a lot hinges on whether Hanscom gets dropped from the test team, but if he's playing, I think he's a bit of a point of difference I don't think Marshall well. get picked in the test team again this summer. Right. So yeah. that's so. my thinking there. And I like him at this level. When, yep. when he comes up against you know, domestic T20 attacks, he usually prospers. Yep, I like it. And definitely a point of difference because a lot of people were thinking that he'd be playing tests this summer and haven't picked him. My fourth batsman is former Sydney Sixers captain and now Sixers batsman Moses Onoriquez. Lock him in. Yeah, he made a Lock brilliant in. 99 in the last Shield game, made 150 in the Shield before that. He looks in great form. He has a lot to make up for because last big batch season, he actually pulled out halfway through the season due to personal reasons and, and couldn't play at a crucial juncture in the Sydney Sixers season last year. So I think he'll have a lot to prove. He'll want to make up for that last year. So lock him in. Yeah, I love it. And he's, he's really cheap because of that poor season he had last year. So I think he's pretty much a must-have. And then my fifth batsman is, of course, gorgeous George Bailey. Not yep. captain of the Hurricanes, but he, he came back into form in the last round of Shield cricket with a good century in tough conditions. He loves T20 cricket. For, for a sort of orthodox play, he hits a long ball, so George Bailey. Yeah, I like in. that. I think another guy at the same similar price is Klinger. If Klinger does play, then he should open the batting, as we say, and he's got that double game in round one. But Bailey, he was in my team at one stage, so I think he's a, he's a decent purchase. Thank you. Now, my bench, I've gone for Tim Ludeman, we discussed before. Yep, like it. Uh, in BBL4, he made the league's fastest 50 off just 18 balls, so he has yep. a good track record. And I've gone for two cheapies here on the bench, so Ludeman, and my other one is Callum Ferguson, who plays for the Thunder in the Big Bash competition. Really good price, mm. has been in good form this Shield summer. I think the, the Thunder will rely on him. They, they need him to score runs. So I think he's a good one to come in and out of your team as he's, the season goes on. He's a decent buy. It doesn't have the double until round four, though. And you've got guys who do have a double much earlier, including Jack Edwards, uh, Cameron Green, who I mentioned in my youngsters. Uh, Mackenzie Harvey doesn't have the double, but he, I reckon he's going to open for the Renegades. I'm surprised you haven't got why Jack Edwards not there. He was your number one youngster and he's not in your team. I'm just not sure where he's going to bat yep. in the team and will he start in the first team. What? Yep. So there's a few players that I want to see, you know, three trades per round. Is that correct? Correct, yeah. So I've got a few players that are close to making it that might come yep. in as the uh, competition yep. nice, nice. moves forward. Wiki Keeper, this was an easy one for me. Yep. Alex Carey, uh, probably going to open the batting or, or bat in the top four. You know, one of the best keepers in the land, white ball vice captain. He'll have a, a stunning... Big bash season obviously yep. comes out for a week uh, when the, the white ball fixtures are on against India mm. in January. But then I've got Ben Dunk as his reserve. Uh, we talk, talked that. about him before. He, he could bat at the top of the order for the Stars. He needs to bounce back. So yep, Kerry I like those Dunk. two good picks. Two good picks, Menace. So far, I think Tom's been really good to me about 
my super coach temp. He said he was going to rip me to shreds it's, last it's, week. Mate, but it's decent. I, I knew it's that It's decent. My... <laughs> I'm just giving some constructive criticism. I'm not tearing it apart. All right, now it's the bowlers, and I have gone spin to win. So one, two, three, seven bowlers. I picked five spinners and just two quicks. Now I'll go through the spinners. Rashid Khan was the easiest pick. You know, he was just 17 when he made his international debut, mm. and he was at 19 the youngest ever international captain when he uh, captained Afghanistan against Scotland. He was the leading wicket-taker last season. I just need to read out his T20 record, and you'll know why he's picked. He's played 138 T20 games. He's taken 207 wickets. That is absolutely phenomenal. He gets four overs a game, and he's taken 207 yeah. in 138 matches. His best bowling is a lazy five for three, and he barely goes at more than a runner ball. He's just phenomenal stuff. Ridiculous. He's the best in the world by a long way, and he's got a double in round two. So you really have to get him in from the start, keep him in your team for round two, because you'll probably captain him in that second round. I'm not sure when he has to leave uh, the, the Big uh, Bash. I think it's somewhere in January, Afghanistan, have some fixtures. Right, OK. Uh, next one, Farwood Ahmed. The Sydney Thunder leg spinner. He was the leading wicket taker in the Caribbean Premier League this year. 22 CPL wickets in just 13 games. He was also second uh, leading wicket taker in the Canadian Global T20 competition. So Farwed Ahmed. Uh, it's been talked about in, as an Australian white ball bowler. Yep. Like it? Oh, I, Ooh, I think they're go. better. I think they're better. See, look, you've got the heat and the scorches, as I mentioned, on that double in round one. You've only got two players from those teams. Some people are running with as many as 10. I know Michael Hussey is running 10 with 10 players wow. from those teams. So I really think you've got to look at some of these guys, uh, not look at who you think your favourite players are or who the best players are in the comp. Just look at guys who are on the double each week and think of guys like Berendorf, Coulter Nile, David Willey, Ashton Agar, Chris Lynn you've got in there, McCullum who you think is going to be a flop, but he's got two games in that first that first round. So your pro tip is I should get a couple more heat or and scorches players in for the Absolutely. first round. Yeah, 100%. And then for the second round, you're going to have to get some strikers in. You've already got some good strikers there ready, so you're in pretty good position for that second round. All right, my other bowler is Adam Zampa. Played 100 yep. T20 matches with 112 wickets at a very good economy of just 7.24. That's really good for a leg spinner in T20 cricket. And he, to me, is like the modern T20 player. Grew up in Sydney, plays for South Australia in the Shield, yeah. plays for the Stars in the Big Bash, loves his T20 cricket. He said on the radio this morning that the Big Bash is his favourite time of the year, so I think he's one to take a punt on. Yeah, again, doesn't have that double until round 10. I would, I would get rid of him. I think you're too obsessed with this double uh, It's the number one tactic what in the that, game. What if you pick a player in those teams that don't, they don't play? Yeah, well, that's... Or they just play one game. That's the problem. That's why you've got to be all over that, mm. the toss. The toss... Oh, sorry, not the toss anymore. The bat flip mm-hmm. for, those, for those first games. I think the Scorchers play the second game of the BBL this year. So you've got to check that team. Okay. My other uh, pick is another leg spinner... What's that? Fourth leg spinner and still one more to come. Usman Kadir. Like it. He's, he's the son of the great Abdul Kadir. He's played some 50-over games for Western Australia. And, and what I like about him is he took wickets in those JLT Cup games he played. So I think he'll take wickets in the big bash. Yep, I've got him in my team for now. Great wrong'un. Really good, good wrong'un. He'll get some wickets. He's got the double in round one. 
now I've finally got a Heat player, so he won't hassle me <laughs> about this double game week. James Pattinson is w- one of my two quicks. He doesn't have a great T20 record, actually, no. but I like his signing. I think the, the Gabba wicket will suit his pace and bounce. He looked good in the shield. Uh, I think his pace will be up, so I think James Pattinson could be a good one. I agree, and I reckon he might score a few sneaky runs as well, can can hit a ball, and he's Mm. improved his batting with all these injuries that he's had playing as a specialist batsman uh, around the country. And then my my bowling bench, my bowling bench, I like that. Peter Siddle, uh, he plays for the Strikers in the uh, Big Bash. He had a great season last year with the ball in T20 cricket. He's almost re- been reborn as a T20 cricketer. So I like Peter Siddle. And uh, I've, I had to pick Lloyd Pope. Uh, yep. I think if he plays for the Sixers at the SCG with the nice big boundaries, he's going to take a stack of wickets. Interesting to see whether they do pick him or they go with Dan Fallon's or they go with both, which is a definite option, particularly at the SCG, but not necessarily at other grounds. I'm a little bit wary of Pope. I want to see him play a couple of games first. The wrongen is awesome. The wrongen is it's a, literally a thing of beauty, but the stock ball I don't think is quite there. Neither is the control. He's going to get smashed or take wickets or both. There's, there, mm. there's not much middle ground with him. If I were to substitute a player for a Heat or a, a Scorchers player, it would probably be Pope. Right. I took a big punt on him. And I'll just yep. give you a few players who I was really close to putting in the team. Shane Watson, Mitch Swepson. Ben Cutting because he does everything. Andrew Ty because he just takes a bucket load of wickets. Lama Shane, any spinner, mystery spinner, will do well against Australian batsmen. Marcus Stoinis, I, I had him in there, but if he's not bowling, that mm, that makes yeah, it a tough one. Stickly. James Faulkner, for me, is one I wanted to put in there, but just too much of a gamble coming off an injury, but yeah, he could he could light it up. I really hope that James Faulkner goes well. It's a bit too much of a risk at the start of the year because he is coming back from so many injuries, but I've got my fingers crossed on James Faulkner. I'm really hoping that this is the uh, this is the series that gets him back in playing those big T20, game, uh, big T20 leagues around the world. All right, now, Tom, so Supercoach starts this Wednesday. First, where should the viewers sign up to Supercoach? Super- and can you give... A couple of tips if you haven't played before and you're thinking of playing, what would get you going? What's a good way to get going? Supercoach.com.au is where you sign up. The number one tip is to look at the schedule, get Scorchers and Heat because they've got that double in the first round. The other tactic is to really target all-rounders because you've got, uh, you get 20 points for a wicket. So let's say Travis Head, for example, won't be playing the Big Bash this year, but has been a great star in Big Bash in the past. If he bats number three and gets, let's say, 60, then opens the bowling and takes a wicket, he's getting a huge score as well. Wickets are worth 25 points. Runs, every run is worth 25 points. And it's not, I mean, you've basically got to be batting in the top five to score more than 25 runs unless there's a really, um, you know, a lot of wickets at the start mm, right, of the innings. Yeah. So target the all-rounders, look at the schedule, and then get the right cheapies, get the right young guns at the start of the year. I agree. Now, uh, there's plenty of leagues, but the Cricket Unfiltered podcast has started its own super coach league. So the details will be in the description of the podcast version of this recording if you want to join uh, the Cricket Unfiltered League. But yeah, go and join Super Coach. It's going to be lots of fun. I'm looking forward to winning the Super Coach title. Can't wait. You're pumped. <laughs> I'm pumped. You're pumped. All right. So, yeah. Tommy, thanks so much for coming to our first ever 
live recording of the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. My pleasure. It's been, uh, thanks for watching, viewers out there. Uh, we hope you enjoy the Big Bash. It's going to be phenomenal. I can't wait. I hope you're feeling the same. If you're watching this, go and find the Cricket Unfiltered podcast on a podcast app or Spotify, and uh, there's plenty of great stuff there. Thanks for watching the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. <laughs> 